Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to the Roto World Football Show. I am Denny Carter, not Patrick Doherty. Uh, Pat is still in French-speaking Canada for some reason, even though he is a hearty Midwestern American male. We're not sure what's going on there. I'm joined today by my favorite Zoomer on the planet Earth, Kyle Dvorak. Only one you've ever met, to be clear. But <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, like two others. Okay. And you're much more erudite, okay? So I, I appreciate that. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna fill you in on everything happening in the aftermath of the Cowboys Chargers Monday Night Game. Uh, we are going to talk about Uncle Lenny Leonard Fournette, uh, maybe coming back to the league in the second half of the season. Something Kyle's best ball teams are very Dude, much. Dude, don't get me started. <laughs> don't you dare get me started. <laughs> we're gonna talk about the Rams' backfield apocalypse. The Niners backfield apocalypse, all, all manner of backfield apocalypse. We're going to talk about Trevor Lawrence, maybe not playing on Thursday Night Football, which is real, a real bummer for everyone involved on both sides of that game, among other things. We're also going to touch on the Cowboys pass catchers. Uh, Kyle has some some data uh, on Michael Gallup, Brandon Cook, CeeDee Lamb, and others in that offense. Uh, but we are going to start with Lombardi Lenny, uh, Leonard Fournette, who, you know, hey, look, He's still out there. He's still dropping. Oh, we've got news, buddy. I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt you. We've got okay. news. The Eagles signed Julio Jones. That is so cool. What? I don't know if that like means <laughs> anything because their top two receivers are so good that wow. it, and and their tight end is so good that you know oh, generally man. I would normally in any other circumstance when it's uh, Quez Watkins, Olmide Zacchaeus, or that track sprinter guy they have if that Quez guy ever gets time. Watkins. No, no, no. They have, it's like Devon something. He was an oh, Oregon okay. player who's a track sprinter and he like is a practice squad slash 53 man guy. All those guys. I'm like, who cares? Maybe on a showdown slate. I'm like, oh, <laughs> maybe I can play this guy at, at $400 and 0.06% ownership. But normally their top two guys see so much work that uh, who cares? But this is legit from the actual Eagles account. Uh, we've signed Julio Jones. Huh. Full full business. Yeah. That was pretty cool. I, I don't even really think you should add him. Like, how is he going to take targets away from AJ Brown, who is taking a ton of targets away from Devonta Smith, who yeah. has made Dallas Goddard's life hell in that he appears twice every six weeks for a good fantasy game? He's not. The answer is he's not. But I think it's cool. 
Yeah. Well, hey, look at having AJ Brown and Julio Jones on the same field, same right? team is, is pretty cool, I think. In wait, theory. wait, no, no, no. This happened already, right? That happened in Tennessee, did it not? It did happen. It did it, it didn't it didn't work out, Kyle, actually. <laughs> Good luck, Jalen. We've seen it uh, once. Yeah. I was actually checking uh on the pass rate over expected for the Eagles. They they ranked 10th right behind the Dolphins. So, you know, probably not enough volume to go around, but uh if you're in the 16 team league, man, you are fired up about adding Julio Jones, <laughs> who honestly I didn't know. You know, I didn't even know he was interested in coming back. I, I had not heard anything. Yeah, I legit thought he was done, and that's fine. He's great. So, yeah. I mean, he might be – he's obviously never – he didn't win a ring with Tampa Bay. He joined a year after yeah, he yeah, won a ring, right. correct? Yeah. And obviously he also was on the uh, – what, tw- was it 28-3? Uh, comeback loss to was it's twenty it's twenty eight something or twenty eight oh, oh, oh twenty eight three yeah yeah he was on the Falcons team that lost obviously eight. he was on the Falcons team that lost that he was a year he was a year late to the Tampa yeah. Bay incredible run with Tom Brady so he's I, I don't want to say chasing a ring he's joining a team that has a good shot at earning a ring let's say we 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 respect the ring chaser around here okay uh, I would be doing it if I were Julio Jones at that age uh, by the way you you may hear that I am congested and not feeling well. It's true. We're, we're trying to use artificial intelligence to make me sound less <laughs> sick. So far, Kyle, it's not working. We're going to have to try that uh, more strongly going forward. But from one veteran who apparently just signed with the Eagles to uh, one veteran for- former Tampa Bay player. I'm sorry to keep interrupting you, but I can't cu- I can't stop making the connections. Oh, there's so many connections. I, I see. I see your little uh, board in the back with all the red lines connecting Fournette to Julio to Hertz to everybody. It's Tom Brady. Tom Brady's coming back. No, I'm kidding. Uh, and uh, so Fournette was uh, apparently, you know, on his way to visit the Bills after Damian Harris suffered that scary neck injury on Monday night. Harris probably will miss a lot of time, if not the rest of the season. Uh, that made sense. And then it was reported Tuesday morning that that's not happening, that that, that visit is not happening. And uh, other teams, I quote, other teams are, quote, interested in Leonard Fournette. <laughs> I, I, I guess I guess look, hey, there are a lot of backfield injuries. So so it is possible. Kyle, you 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 write our waiver wire piece. How are you handling this Uncle Lenny news? I haven't thought about adding him in a single league. And this is coming from someone who, as you you think it's a joke that you pointed out as someone who drafted a lot of basketball teams, this may apply to me. You think it's a joke. I literally think he was my third or fourth most drafted running back across somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 to 180, something like that teams. Yeah. And a few grand, maybe like eight to 10 grand of basketball teams. Uh, you think it's funny that, Oh, this best ball bro is excited to get Lenny back. I need Leonard Fournette back. And the thing is, as much as I think I need Leonard Fournette back, he's not going to, especially if he signs with the Bills, but for most teams, I think there are a very few teams that we don't know who he is supposedly visiting with yet, other than the Bills, which that is it is may or may not happening. Yeah. There may be some teams that he could step into a one or two week role in which he earns that starting role and puts up like an RB2 performance. But the Bills, the one that we know he has interest in and the team has interest in him. He would be joining as like a clear backup. They are probably losing Damian Harris, who only suffered a neck injury and concussion, thank God, but is probably out for some time. He would be, he's like a a Latavius Murray clone. He would be filling a similar role to to Latavius Murray. So what value does he have there in terms of fantasy? Extremely little. I mean, maybe he could sign 
I don't know, with a team like the the Panthers, for instance. And sure, if they're not sure. satisfied with what we've seen from Ch- Chuba Hubbard, he could earn the start. But again, I don't think Miles Sanders' injury is long-term. He'd be maybe a one-week starter, and that would be the perfect needle thread of Sanders needing to be out like three weeks, and then Leonard Fournette gets the start in week eight or whatever. I'm not concerned with him in terms of just my standard season-long league. Yeah, no, I, I'm not, as a zero RB guy even, I'm not too uh, too interested in in Fournette. So just monitor that situation. Yeah, if anyone would be interested in like very unappealing running back plays off the waiver wire, it would be Denny and I, it would be us. So if we're not interested, you do not need to worry about it. Listeners. Speaking of, uh, you know, running back plays off the waiver wire, uh, Kyle Shanahan said on Monday night that Christian McCaffrey, who suffered an oblique injury, it, it, it could have possibly also been the ribs, according to Shanahan. They're they're checking that out, I guess. Uh, that that CMC does have a chance to play in Week Seven, uh, so just keep that in mind. But also, he mentioned that uh, Jordan Davis, who led the backfield, led the Niners' backfield last week when McCaffrey left. Uh, he, I'm sorry, Jordan Davis had five five carries for 27 yards and a touchdown. That's back-to-back weeks with a touchdown for him. Um, I keep saying Jordan Davis. I meant Jordan Mason. Jordan Mason. Jordan Davis. Uh, Jordan. Uh, <laughs> Eagles defensive tackle. Really good. Jordan, Jordan Mason, not Davis. So Jordan Mason was the RB1 last week pretty clearly. But Shanahan mentioned oh. in, a, uh, in a press conference that Elijah Mitchell only got in one full practice last week because of various ailments. Uh, so that would change, presumably, if Mitchell practices – uh, more this coming week and i think i think kyle is just is shaping up to be kind of an ugly shared backfield here for san francisco if mccaffrey is out i don't think that you can pick up mason honestly as much as i like mason i i have mason on some best ball teams i have him on some redraft i really do like him as a player he seems to fit that offense really well the whole one cut thing that they do in the shanahan system but i i, I just i i don't think that mason is going to be in line for like 15 or 18 carries do you see it any differently here yeah i think it's really hard to tell because we saw eli mitchell come back from i think it was two game absence because of a knee issue last week two carries got out snapped out routed out carried by jordan mason but it was i mean i reading the tea leaves right there was a quote from kyle shanahan i think from a sunday night presser maybe it was a monday afternoon presser it doesn't matter too much saying i mean he kind of you know, lavished Eli Mitchell with, he knows the system. We trust him. He's been really good as a starter. And that's not wrong. He's right in that Eli Mitchell has been really strong as a starter. It just comes down to his health. And even if he is fully healthy, they have no, you know, full practice three times in a row heading into week seven. He's been a guy who, as much as we say, so-and-so like injury prone is, is mostly not a thing, which I think is generally true i don't think it's always true but i do think we ascribe injury prone to players who have bad luck that is not actually you know uh predictive in a, in a sense right. teams i would guess also don't quite understand the difference between the predictiveness of injury prone versus the randomness of seemingly injury prone i do think there is a very very low to zero probability that we get like a 20 carry game from elijah mitchell he got two carries last week comes out carried by jordan mason even if he does and i think he think he probably will get the start this week i'm guessing we get a full-blown committee but if we get a committee on one of the best offenses with one of the best rushing schemes in football maybe that means nine to ten carries and a target or two for jordan mason 
I, he has some deep life. And I will say, say you start him and you're just praying for RB three numbers falls in the end zone. Running backs in San Francisco tend to do that a lot. And you're hoping they rush two two touchdowns and he gets the second one, something like that. There's a non-zero chance that Eli Mitchell still isn't quite ready for more than five to 10 carries this week. And you have that sort of out as he gets five to 10 carries and Jordan Mason goes out and is essentially forced to be the starter. Because I think perfectly healthy and no health concerns going forward. Kyle Shanahan 100% gives, gives Eli Mitchell 15 to 20 carries or 15 to 20 touches, let's say the clear start, but we're not at that point yet. So I think there is some very low floor, but high ish ceiling potential with Jordan Mason, but you have to know that going in that you could very much be on the receiving end of six carries, 25 yards, no catches, nothing. That's it. You could also get like 14, 80 and a touchdown maybe. And yeah, it should, should be mentioned that, you know, whoever leads the backfield here could see some volume. Uh, the Niners are 29th and pass rate over expected right in line with like the bears and the Cardinals. So it's, uh, <laughs> it is, a, it is definitely as Who always they play this week. I assume they're going to be favorites. They're they, be favorites they play, they play the Vikings. It's a get right spot, folks. They play the Vikings. So it's uh it could, could be good for whoever. Anyway, you, you got Mason and Mitchell should be rostered uh, on waivers this week. Yes, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go crazy. I mean, McCaffrey could just could just suit up. And he play. could also play. That is the that yeah. is the scary part. Where I in my waiver wire column originally I had Mason, and then I was a little more tepid. Maybe it's yeah. Mitchell, but I had both of them as really strong. You should be doing a lot to get this guy. And now that CMC's in the mix, we know for sure Dave Montgomery is not playing. I I find it a little dubious that Jameer Gibbs plays, but we'll see. And then in LA, we know for sure that Kyron Williams isn't playing and Ronnie Rivers isn't playing. You've got, I'd say Craig Reynolds is more likely to start than not this week. And then Zach Evans is extremely likely to start this week. There is a very real real chance Christian McCaffrey plays this week. If you end up blowing like 25% of your fab on either one or even 10, 15% of your fab on either one of the San Francisco backs, you're worried about a committee. You're thinking, oh, do I get more touches? Do I get more snaps? And then Chris McCaffrey just comes in and blows it up. <laughs> that that sort of risk knocked both of the backs down to like third in the situation priority versus LA versus the Lions backfield as well. We're going to come back to that LA Rams backfield in a moment. But first, folks, I need to tell you that basketball season is almost here. And that means one thing. It's draft season. Get the Roto World Basketball Draft Guide which includes all the rankings, player outlooks, and projections you need to win your league this season. Go to NBCSports.com and get your draft guide now and use code HOOPS23 to save 20% off and receive a $10 Fanatics e-gift card. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? 
Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Kyle, are you playing season-long fantasy basketball? No, but I will be playing. I know I have some tickets for the first DFS contest, so I still need to be reading up on my action. Yeah, I I, I need to. I want to. I haven't played in a long time. I used to be very passionate about season long. Really? Yeah, season long basketball. I was I was I was a big like basketball ahead. I would stay up till like three in the morning to watch the Clippers or whatever. To, like, it is tough. Us yeah. both living on the East Coast and they have Oof. ten o'clock tip offs for like LA like double LA games. Oh Oof. man, that was rough. But uh, but I did it because hey, you know what? I was in my early twenties and I didn't have to get up before noon, so it didn't matter. Uh, all right, let's let's go back real real quick to that to that Rams backfield. So we have Kyron Williams out. We have Ronnie Rivers out. And this, by the way, this stinks for folks who rostered Ronnie Rivers for a while. And they were like, who's oh, rostering yeah, Ronnie Rivers? No, for no, a while. somebody, people did. People did. No, I, I didn't. I, I'm not that sick. But, but, but somebody like really like was very proud of themselves. Like, okay, Ronnie mm-hmm. Rivers is a clear RB1 for a 20, pretty good Rams 25 offense. roster spot dynasty league. They're like, yeah. I'm going to get a start out of this guy. And, and if, and if Kyron goes down, I'm in business at least for a week, maybe two, right? And then this happens. This is terrible. So, so uh, yeah, rookie Zach Evans first at TCU. He played his last season in college at Ole Miss. Um, actually, you know, it's smaller guy in stature, but very like two hundred five low, like or high five foot, like five ten, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah. He was a backup to i have no clue who's back to his first year at tcu it was a complete committee that uh, amari demarcado actually was a part of that committee then the next year it was demarcado kendra miller as the starter and then also uh, evans as the backup then he transfers to old miss and he was a five-star recruit he was actually i believe if i remember correctly the first five-star recruit in tcu history he's still the highest recruit in tcu history so he transfers in, in a sense to get his final shot at starting he was highly recruited and just found his way into nfl caliber backfields in back-to-back seasons goes to Ole Miss, and then they have Quishon Judkins. I'm, I'm probably mispronouncing it to some degree. Quishon Judkins, who is truly elite, like probably going to be a very highly draft pick, and I think he might have one more year of eligibility, but finds himself behind another NFL caliber running back. He was a high recruit who then tested well at the combine or maybe his pro day. It was like a 8.7 RAS or something like that. Smaller dude, but like over 200 is at least a metric we care about or a number we care about. I think for a small amount of time, I don't know about for 17 weeks, but for a small amount of time, he could handle the bulk of the backfield. It entirely depends on the team's trust in him. They have Royce Freeman on the practice squad. He will ultimately be called up. And they'll probably bring someone else in too. But for a week, for two weeks, do I think he could get a lot of the touches? That seems somewhat likely, especially given that I, Kyron Williams is fine but it's not like he was a you know some second round pick highly touted type of player right, right he missed all this rookie season and was more of a like two two and a half down player like satellite back mixing in for touches at notre dame i believe was not at all this highly touted player coming right. in the nfl misses all of his rookie season most of his rookie season was like all but two or three games and then his second year he is a three down back from the jump we've seen this story before Zach Evans could be the next element of that story, especially given that they don't have to give him 20 touches a game for 17 weeks. They have to do it for two to maybe three, maybe even only one. Yeah. 
Uh, wanted to mention uh, quickly that the Rams running backs have not been super involved in the the passing offense. Uh, Rams are 29th in target share to running backs this season. So uh, if Zach Evans is going to get there, it's going to probably have to be on the ground, which, you know, it could. he's an explosive guy. Averaged uh, 6.85 yards per touch in his final season uh, in college. So definitely – if you're, you know, kind of scraping bottom at running back like hmm. me in some leagues, you you are all in. You're very excited about Zach Evans. Yep. You're getting them. You're getting them. All right. Let's shift over to the Thursday night game, Kyle, between the Jaguars and the Saints. Now, this the entire fantasy environment of this game hinges on Trevor Lawrence playing. And even if he does play, he's probably still banged up. It's it's you know, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be great. Trevor Lawrence was seen with a knee brace at practice on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to know his status probably by tomorrow night ish, but it could be a game time call. Could I, I, I could see it being a t- game time call for Thursday night. If he doesn't start, apparently CJ Beathard is going to start and not like I thought, Kyle, I thought, uh, Nathan O'Rourke was on the roster. Where did that oh, guy that's go? That's right. He had such a sick preseason. Yeah. He had like, he had like a Mahomesian eludes pressure, throws a sick, uh, like Andrew Luck kind of made these throws yes. too, throws a sick getting tackled and a dart 20 yards downfield in the preseason. And then the next week he comes out and makes great plays again. Yeah. Uh, you're telling me I, he's not on the roster though? I oh, love I love that guy. Listen, I watched Nathan O'Rourke in the CFL for a couple of years. I'm not even oh, playing okay, with yeah, you. Yeah. And that, yeah, guy yeah. Has, that guy has dog, okay? Massive, oh, massive dog buddy, level. Does okay? he? And I'm just I'm shocked he wasn't the backup. So CJ Beathard would would start. So <laughs> I guess my question is, how does this affect the pass catchers here? It's it's a very you know <clears throat> in the preseason we had on a Jaguars beat beat writer who said, hey, you know this will probably be even evenly distributed target share to the all the main pass catchers. And I don't know. I was a little skeptical because Calvin Ridley's was really good in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it has worked out that way for the most part. For the most part, Red, Ridley ran cold last week. Of course, should have had a much bigger day. But we could have said that about his last like four games. <laughs> so, oh well. Uh, anyway, uh, how, what, what does this do for you if Bethard is out? How do you how do you handle these Jags uh, pass catchers? Yeah, this is this is quite bad. I mean, I I think to some degree you you still have to play them because they're all seeing just barely enough work that if the offense really struggles, they're still in line for like 25% target shares. And by them, I mean specifically Ridley, Kirk, and Evan Ingram, who is coming like shockingly close to the other two in terms of his target share. So, and he plays tight end. So even if he is third on the team in target share, his is somewhere closer to that 18 to 22%. That's perfect for a tight end. That's better than most tight ends. So I still think, I guess I still think you have to play them all but just be ready for disappointment because right. it, it almost reminds me of a 49er situation, but only based on like volume, not efficiency where the 49ers, we always say like they just don't quite get the ball to their players enough for all of them to hit for Debo, Ayuk, Kittle to hit in a given sure. game. But they're so good that two of them, one of them, maybe three of them, probably not three of them are going to have really strong games. I think the Jags, the opposite in that they will probably have enough volume to get Kirk and Ingram. Ridley and Kirk, Ingram and Kirk, you know, sure, the sure. ball six, seven times. And in a PPR league, that's six for 80 and a, and a touchdown, maybe hopefully a touchdown, hopefully, hopefully something like that, but be prepared for one of them, if not two of them to have very disappointing games. 
Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I guess it could be a game where they just lean on uh, Travis Etienne here and uh, and just give him a bunch of a bunch of carries to kind of c- kind of protect themselves against against Bethard. I mean, Bethard is a, a reasonably okay backup, so you know, I don't I don't think it's a complete debacle. But also, the Saints, he's all right. Didn't he have Didn't he have like a a year or maybe two as like two starts in the Shanahan system? Yeah. where you see like you see yeah. like Nick Mullins all of a sudden is like the league leader in yards per attempt on like thirty five attempts, and somehow CJ Beathard gets one of those games as well, if I remember correctly. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you no, know, CJ Beathard is is one of those guys that Brock Purdy skeptics point to and say, "Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, wait, you remember this guy? Come on, you remember Mullins? Uh, no, but uh, <clears throat> on the other side of the ball, I, I I do think that it would affect the Saints in that the Saints would not be pushed to really mm-hmm. throw the ball much. They would probably be fine doing that thing where they give Alvin Kamara twenty five carries up the middle for you know very very few yards. I did want to mention that that uh, Adam, producer Adam, says uh, that the line on the Thursday night game has moved from Saints minus three to Saints minus one today. So that could point to Trevor Lawrence, you know, being on the on the right side of questionable with within the injury. Did you um, see the play he got hurt on? I I, I didn't. It was hilarious. I saw it. I saw it. So it was like one of those plays where just unblocked pass rusher, actually, I think two of them come in and, and, you know, PFF records it as a pressure within 0.5 seconds, something hilarious. And he turns around and he's just sprinting for his life. (laughs) But the pass rusher gets, you know, a very easy head start on him and takes him down for, I think was literally recorded as like a 17 yard sack, like (laughs) a comically deep sack the game was kind of functionally over so it didn't matter that much but yeah then he came up limping really bad and he uh, did not take the final kneels of the game they sent cj bethard out they weren't even going to put lawrence out for the kneels so mm-hmm. it does i guess seem like he might play and he's played through some like light i don't say light but he's played through some play throughable injuries before yeah, yeah. so uh and the fact that i believe they're on the road for this game and would only be one point dogs as you pointed out, Vegas is leaning at least towards him playing. It would be good. So are, are you starting him? Because I, I, I guess if he Ooh. starts, if he starts, I guess you probably don't have a better option on the waiver wire. I mean, I waiver wire just, sucks this week. I was yeah, writing the waiver yeah. wire column for quarterbacks and no good. It's like Desmond yeah. Ritter, Sam Howell. I'm not starting those guys over him. If it was a starting, week where saying Derek Carr. No, oh, and I even put him as an ad on the waiver wire. He was like okay. my third or maybe my second ad, honestly. Uh, and I still wouldn't start Carr. No. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's good to know. All right. Well, we'll keep it. We will keep it locked in on Roto World for uh, injury updates to Trevor Lawrence as we get closer uh, to Thursday night. Folks, I really quick need to tell you about a huge game we have coming up on NBC Sunday Night Football. Uh, between two of our analytics kings, the Dolphins and the Eagles, the Sundays nights, two of the most explosive offenses in Philadelphia, a meet in Philadelphia when the high flying Dolphins take on the Eagles. Get ready for what could be a shootout at 7 p.m. Eastern only on NBC and Peacock. I will be ready as always for Sunday night, Kyle, as I always am. And uh, th- that game, that game should be, should be fun. The primetime games have been like, Hit or miss with a lot of misses in the, yeah. this year. And they always are. Like the Thursday nights are terrible. And then we think we get a good game and the Chiefs do that thing where like Mahomes throws two tipped turnovers. This seems like a legit, legit, like 
I mean, this could be a Super Bowl matchup. The, yeah, the sure. Dolphins are, every metric will tell you they're the best offense in football and the Eagles are coming off of literally being in the Super Bowl. So that's actually, a, you know, don't want to yeah. jinx it. I apologize to the listeners if I jinx it. <laughs> this, I would say this looks like the best primetime matchup we've gotten this yeah. year. Let's just say you're starting your guys in this one, folks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. We're going to get to the Dallas pass catchers. So um, last night, Brandon Cooks finally did something for fantasy purposes. He caught a touchdown. Sorry if you can hear that in the background. I'm not sure what that is. Um, uh, and, uh, Kyle, tell us a little bit about the breakdown with, uh, Dallas pass catchers over the past few weeks. Yeah. I mean, Michael, like last, last night, obviously we saw Brandon Cooks get in the end zone. If you're playing DFS, he was kind of a guy you needed, but in terms of the actual usage, Michael Gallup, who's been trending in the right direction for the past three weeks. I don't want to say he was their wide receiver one, but the numbers would tell you he's their wide receiver one. More so what that tells me, it was a good matchup for him, and he's clearly their wide receiver too. Because like since in the first three weeks, Gallup, I'm, he really, since suffering the knee injury in 2021 now, hasn't shown a ton. First three weeks, we kind of looked like the same old Michael Gallup or the same new Michael Gallup, unfortunately, where he had like, 12% targets per route run, 11% target share, 21% air yard share. That's true wide receiver three numbers, not usable for fantasy. In the past few weeks, they have made it a much bigger emphasis as a part of the offense to get him involved. 0.26 targets per route run, 23% target share, 27% air yard share. Those are legit wide receiver two numbers. And a lot of that is buoyed by the Monday night football game in which I believe he led the team in targets, led the team in air yards, and he had a dropped would have been touchdown. He might've had a few other, he only 40% of his targets were deemed catchable, but they were trying to, or able to get him involved in terms of the opportunities in a number of different ways, both deep, short end zone, not, and it just didn't connect and it connected for Brandon cooks. But the fact that they were much more interested and much more able to, because I don't want to say interested as if Michael Gallup doesn't have any control over it. He gets open. That's part of getting him the ball is you have to get open and earn the targets he was earning targets. He was earning air yards. So despite the Brandon Cooks touchdown, I'm still going to call Michael Gallup the team's number two receiver. I think in more high scoring environments, although last night wasn't really high scoring. It was back and forth, let's say, right, right. in those type of back and forth environments, which Dallas has somehow not found themselves in like almost any week up until last night. I actually think Michael Gallup's like a fine wide receiver three adjacent play in a game where we project them to blow out their opponents, which they've done and been on the receiving end of a few times. It's going to be tough to get him going, but I do think Michael Gallup still, to me, probably has the edge for the wide receiver two numbers, even though we saw the touchdown from Brandon Cooks last week. We don't want to be box score chasing. 
last last night, right? It's Tuesday. Last night, yes. 33% of the targets, 43% of the air yards, a third of the end zone targets. I mean, that would be wide receiver one numbers. We don't expect that to hold up. We expect him, I at least expect him to be the wide receiver too. I, I'm with you, and I, I do think that that Cook's touchdown will throw folks off a little bit about mm-hmm. you know who's who's behind Ceedee Lamb in that wide receiver two role. But the numbers point to to Gallup being that guy, as as you pointed out. Overall, though, this this Cowboys passing offense leaves uh, quite a bit to be desired. Uh, Dallas has the fourth lowest uh, average depth of target uh, at under seven. Uh, Dak Prescott is twenty second. In downfield passing rate, he has fewer deep ball completions this season, Kyle, than Josh Dobbs. So, <laughs> I mean, that is... I don't know who you're going to say, but I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, that's just rough. It's just rough. I, 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 guess, I guess it's just this thing, this West Coast offense that they're going to run, where it's just a bunch of like four or five, six-yard completions to their playmakers in space or not in space. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very boring. It's very predictable. Yeah, um, they're they're they, 19th they in not, pass rate over expected, but like oh, yeah. I think we'll talk about this in a minute. Every time they give Tony Pollard the ball, it is somehow second and ten. He's averaging 15 carries a game, and they're all on second and yes. ten. So yes. it is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's brutal, brutally amazing, amazingly brutal. Are are we worried, by the way, with, with Pollard? So yeah. he gets tracked down on that 60 yard reception. What's going on there? Is it this guy lost the juice? What's what's going on? Uh, he might have lost the juice. I, I like. <laughs> I think you know. I you're you obviously to take listeners behind the curtain. You text me. You send me a Slack about what we're going to talk about. Yeah. And the the exact wording of Tony Pollard topic for this show is Tony Pollard. Is it Jover? Is it- I don't want to say <laughs> it's Jover because we talk about players who we're just not seeing the efficiency from, but we're still getting the volume from. Right. And right. those guys often make their way into an article, say, like your regression files. Sure. Because to some, like one, you know, we talk about running backs not mattering. It's that a lot of a running back's outcomes are not dependent on the things they can control. It's dependent on blocking situation, et cetera. But on the other hand, it's also dependent for fantasy purposes on did you get the ball at the one yard line? If you get the ball at the one yard line, you're very likely to get six fantasy points, uh, 6.1 fantasy yeah. points on yeah. that carry. Guess who gets the ball at the one, at the five, at the ten, et cetera, et cetera? Everywhere. everywhere near the goal line, he has he has more red zone carries than every other running back in the NFL, except for Christian McCaffrey. And I believe they're tied exactly. So no other running back has more carries in the red zone. He's still on pace for an incredible season in terms of his usage. We're yeah. just not seeing with the volume. And am I willing to concede that maybe he's not the efficient Tony Pollard we used to know? Yes, one. He is getting more carries. I think if the simple raw carry volume was actually what was hampering him, you would see drastic splits in his like first five carries of the game versus his next 10 carries. And you don't really see that. Not that I've seen at least. So I think it's possible that one, he's like running max age and get less efficient, but two, it's also possible that what he broke like his ankle and had a high ankle sprain in January. uh, hey, I raised this as an issue, and I and I was shot down. I was told no, cut his mic. They 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 censored me. I I said, hey, this guy's coming off a very serious injury. They said, no, no, no. Corporate NBC said, don't talk. Buddy. Right, right. They said, look, 
I was told, look, uh, it doesn't matter. An injury doesn't matter if the guy's leg snaps in half. It's only, it's only, it only matters if it's. Yeah. What was the injury? It was like high ankle sprain. It was it broken ankle or like broken uh, tibia or whatever, like the lower. It was like a completely fractured ankle. Okay. I couldn't remember exactly, but thank you. And uh, yeah, but that, but those don't matter. I I think it, I think it matters a little. I, I will say whatever's happening. It is quite depressing from a fantasy standpoint because like Josh Jacobs in Vegas, Pollard is getting all of the high value touches that you could ever want. Like he should be all like by far and away the RB one overall in fantasy. Okay. Based on how he's being utilized in that Dallas offense. And, and he's still an RB one. I actually don't have it in front of me, but he, you know, so, you know, you're playing him. It's okay. But man, it's been disappointing. Hopefully that, that, you know, works that works itself out so, over. Time. So here's the question. Is he like an obvious buy low? Because clearly the talent in previous years has been there. And then this year, the role is there, like you said. I mean, his usage in terms of just like fantasy points, uh, expected fantasy points, it's him and McCaffrey, and there's a chasm. Yeah. Like it is those two guys who are being used like no other running backs, <clears throat> and then a gap. So is he an obvious buy low? Maybe I'm a dumb spreadsheet yeah. loser. Yes. The, I think the answer is still yes. Yes. I mean, it depends on who who you'd have to part with. You know, like I'm, I'm trying to think of like, uh, would, would you would you trade away like, you wouldn't trade away someone like Jamar Chase or anything. For Pollard, no, right? I think the AJ Brown, Stephon Diggs tier is a conversation in mm. half PPR. All right. Well, you know, you know what? That that actually, I I, I wouldn't hate the AJ Brown's running so hot right now that maybe, right. yeah. So so you right, you're selling high on AJ Brown, you're buying low on Pollard, but I think just overall this Dallas offense. It's just not inspiring. I'm I I try to be inspired by it and, and I and I cannot. Uh, I, I I meant to mention this earlier, uh, but as long as we're talking about guys from last night's game, uh, Monday night game, Quentin Johnston. Uh, oh, talking about guys guys for whom it is Jover. Uh, Quentin Johnston coming out of the bye week. Uh, no Mike Williams. The Chargers in desperate need for someone to step up in that passing offense and take on a more prominent role. Quentin Johnston gets goose egged against the Cowboys. Uh, two targets didn't catch either of them. Uh, he he was the one uh, who was being targeted on the last throw that was intercepted yeah. uh, from Justin Herbert. So man, ju- just as bleak as it gets. Uh, obviously, it's Josh Palmer, it's Keenan Allen, it's Austin Eckler, and it's nobody else here. Well, I, I should say maybe Gerald Everett a little bit, and maybe maybe he's but, like splitting reps with Donald Parham. Yeah. that's the problem. Is if one of the tight ends was getting all of the tight end volume, oh, it'd be so good. Sure, but part yeah. of the reason we're seeing two tight ends get volume is because they're opting to play twelve personnel as opposed to getting Quentin Johnson on the field, yeah. which is hilarious. Like, I love Donald Parham. Trust me. Like, you can search my Twitter handle and the <laughs> word Donald Parham, you will find a lot of tweets about him. But the fact that they're using a combination of Donald Parham and Gerald Everett. In essence, to keep Quentin Johnson off the field is a massive indictment of Quentin Johnson. Sure. He ran less than half the routes, fewer than half the routes last night. So yeah, it's True. it's as Jover as it's ever been. <laughs> so I, I I took Johnston in uh in the deep leagues that that I was in just because I thought he was like kind of an easy Oh yeah, I drafted a bunch of him. Yeah, an easy cheap way to access a potentially good passing offense, like you know, and honestly. When I when I drafted him, I had the thought: if Mike Williams misses time, I'm <laughs> like I'm in. Like this this yeah. works, okay? 
And, and it's not that's not going to work out, Kyle. I'm very nope. sad about it. I'm too. I drafted a bunch of them for the same reason. Like, oh, I think the Chargers, the new offensive coordinator with healthy receivers, they're going to put up a ton of points. And that part has been generally true. They have a very yeah. strong offense this year. They don't seem to know that they spent a first round pick on Quentin Johnson. They spent that pick instead of taking Zay Flowers, instead of taking Jordan oh, Addison. Ugh, I hate when that happens. Well, yeah, this is apparently something that teams should not do is draft TCU receivers. Uh, last last well, one was Jalen Rieger went over Jaylen Justin Rager, Jefferson. Yeah. yeah. So so we uh, we may be learning a lesson here. I don't know. We have to look. Wasn't Josh Doxson a TCU receiver? He yes, I think he was. Oh, I think he gosh. was. Yeah. Wow. Now that's tough. Yeah. So maybe maybe take notes if you're listening in your in in NFL front office. All right. All right. Enough of last night's game. Let's get on real quick to Tennessee, where Ryan Tannehill was carted off in London against the Ravens with an ankle injury. Uh, he is not going to require surgery on that ankle like he did last year. So we're probably talking about a multi-week absence, but not the rest of the season. Uh, we're not talking about this so much because you're dying to play Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, but we're talking about it because if you're in a super flex league, a deeper league, Malik Willis looks interesting on the waiver wire as a guy who brings, you know, some rushing upside. He's the one who came in for Tannehill, not Will Levis, because Will Levis is down tremendously right now. Uh, Will Levis, I think, would be the backup. Although th- there is some talk. I don't know, if Kyle, if you've seen this. There is some talk on the Internet about uh, Will, Will, Will Levis uh, challenge for the starting job. The answer is no. Okay, just just so everyone knows, the answer is no. I don't know, man. Malik Willis, really? Bad. He like he was okay. Four, four he, or five for seventy yards. Uh, so actually, I watched this game. This is the London game. Uh, I watched this one. Uh, forty-eight, if I remember on the dot, forty-eight of those yards were something like a negative a dot Tajay Spears catching. Right. Uh, right. He he played a drive and a half and took four <laughs> sacks, something like that. Three sacks. One of them called back by a penalty. And that's the thing that's always been his issue since entering the NFL in the preseason and his regular season appearances is that he has no ability to diagnose pressure. And then when he does see pressure, like I have seen him look a defender in the eyes, they're running at him <laughs> and he just cannot throw the yeah. ball away. It is a, a sight to behold but it is drastic for the team. Yeah. And I think even when we saw them start Malik Willis versus the Chiefs on like a Thursday night football oh game my last gosh. year, yeah. it was horrific. It was 30 Derrick Henry carries because yeah. they were terrified of letting him drop back to pass. Uh, like, so this is this a bailout for Derrick Henry drafters? It's, I mean, yeah, it is. As someone yeah. who drafted no Derrick Henry, I think it is. But also part of the problem is Derrick Henry has not been the same hyper-efficient, can break off a 60-yard run, the most yards after contact, the most rush yards over expected, all of our dumb nerd metrics. He has not been that guy this year. He's been all right, but he's not a guy where on any given carry, you expect him to house call it, you expect him to throw the nastiest stiff arm. He hasn't been that efficient. And the problem with this offense, I assume, being terrible under Malik Willis because he's been dreadfully inefficient since entering the league on his very few admittedly uh, opportunities is that when are they going to get him near the end zone? Like they're not throwing to him. Obviously that role has been entirely consumed by Tajay Spears. So yes. Do I think he goes out and gets 20 carries assuming Malik Wills is the starter, even if Will Levis is the starter, he's also still going to get 25 carries, frankly. Yes. 
Do I think it looks more like 25 for 101 and you're banking on a touchdown because he caught one pass? That's probably what you need. And then this is a disaster for DeAndre Hopkins. Am I right? Oh, dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually think Hopkins becomes like a borderline, like not, not playable kind of only reason he's playable is because I think there are six teams on by this week. Last week, there are only two teams on by on that type of week. You're like, ah, do I start him or Josh downs? Yeah. Let's go Josh downs this week. But this week there are a bunch of teams on by. So. Well, I should, I should mention the Titans have a buy this week. So, okay. So well, when, next, when, Oh, if they're, if they're on a week, I don't know who's on by in two weeks, but if they're on a buy or if there are like only two teams on by in two weeks, it's a, it's a, Oh, Josh Downs. Oh, Michael yeah, oh, Wilson. Yeah. Oh, oh Jaden Reed. All of these just dreadful names. Yeah. Uh, Jackson Spencer Jigba had a, a 6.8 ADOT. Can I start him over Hopkins? Curtis so, yeah, Samuel. It's, it's bad. Curtis yeah, exactly. Oh, that's yeah. a great example. Perfect. Yeah. Rashid Shahid. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh no. And, I, and I'm starting most of those guys, honestly, over mm-hmm. Hopkins with Willis under center. So we'll, we'll keep tabs on that going forward. Last thing here, Kyle, just wanted to mention uh, that Anthony Richardson is likely, and I, I actually hate even saying these words, likely done for the year with the shoulder injury. The x-ray, by the way, the x-ray came back negative, Kyle, and uh, we still uh, are going to, he's going to probably require surgery, probably miss the rest of the season. Uh, I, I'm As a football fan, I'm disappointed because Anthony Richardson is incredibly fun to watch. We touched on this a little bit, uh, actually, on the recap show on Sunday night, you may have listened to it on Monday. Uh, we are going to get that sweet, sweet volume from this from this Colts offense most weeks, most weeks, because this Colts defense is bad. Gardner Minshew and the the offense is going to be chasing points a lot. Minshew doesn't run, so everything everything has to come through the air. So I, I'm I'm thinking Michael Pittman and to a lesser extent Josh Downs are going to be just peppered with targets going forward. And yeah, that's gotta be, that's gotta be fantastic for their PPR uh, prospects. Yeah. I just hope you're not playing in a standard league because these guys are oh. rather unlikely to score touchdowns yeah. because Gardner Minshew is not good. Like we saw last week, complete implosion. And there's a reason he's a backup who has played. I believe this is his third team in three years. Maybe it's his third team in four years. I'm not going to yeah. care too much about that. There's a reason he's a traveling backup. So he's not particularly good. We saw that last week. But point being, they are comfortable playing fast, playing high volume, and throwing a ton when they have Gardner Minshew on their center. Right. He's going to throw it short. He's going to pepper guys like Pittman, like like uh, like Downs with targets. And Pierce, who's dealing with a shoulder injury right now, so I don't know what his status is for this week, probably done. And I have a lot of that guy, and he's probably done. And the other good news is that we saw, I believe, like 11 combined catches for the running backs last week. So even if they right. are not – I mean – they're almost certainly not going to be favorites, not going to be running downhill as, you know, it's 21-7, Jonathan Taylor's grinding out carries. The good news is that at least we should get some receiving volume from these guys. We saw Taylor's running volume and receiving volume snaps all tick up last week. His route rate took up, took, ticked up, whatever. Ticked up last week. <laughs> tucked up, I believe. No, <laughs> it tucked up last week. He tucked it right up last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think uh, we're trending towards Taylor being, let's call him two and a half downs. I don't think Zach Moss disappears, but in yeah. his second game, he came back and out carried Zach Moss. He saw a bunch of receptions, more routes. So even if he's the three down back on this ultimately losing a lot of games team, 
that could be a lot of receiving volume for him. And he's not a great receiver, but he reminds me sort of of like Derrick Henry plus in the receiving game where if you are getting him targets in open field, he's going to do a lot with those targets, right. but you need to find a reason to do that with him because he's not lining up in the slot. He's not earning targets on wheel <laughs> routes. It's just, and as a matter of fact, getting a bunch of receiving snaps and some of those find the way to him, but he does a lot with those. And I think even a guy like Kylan Granson, who has recently led the team in tight end routes. I mean, he's only running like 55, 60%, which is not, not great. But uh, I think even, even for him, the uptick in overall play volume and all overall passing volume could make him viable in deep leagues. It's just, it's good for everyone. We're not interested in Minshew, by the way, not at all, but we, <laughs> Correct, we interested, yes. we're interested in everybody else. Look, 13 targets, 11 receptions, like you said, for the running backs, uh, for the Colts last week. We like that. We can, we can work with that, Kyle. Is, mm-hmm. is, yes, is we can. I'm so we, yes, uh, don't worry about Minshew so much, except for maybe in super flex leagues, uh, but get in on these Colts players before the folks realize that, uh, wow, there's a lot of passes. Hey, look at Minshew drop back another 60 times this week. <laughs> Got to get in before that. All right, Kyle, that's going to do it for us for this Tuesday. We'll be back on Thursday uh, to talk about every single week seven game. We will give you all the correct predictions. Until then, that's Kyle Dvorak. I'm Denny Carter. We'll have Pat Doherty back on Thursday. Goodbye. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.